So good morning, everybody. Good to see you, especially if you're first-time guest. My name is Darren Davis, senior leader. I have the honor to get to continue in our margin series this morning where we're making space for God to move in our lives. And we've been looking um, in particular this month at our faith. Wanted to share some news on Friday. We welcomed a new member into our community. Uh, little Luca Walker was born to Alan and Eva. So... Big, huge congrats to them. I'm not sure if they're watching online. They're probably trying to sleep with every uh, opportunity they get. But if they are, we, we just say we love you guys and, and congrats to your new one. And how many of you know when you have a new child, you need more margin in your life? And that, that is especially true for the walkers as, listen to this, 12 years ago, they were told by the doctors that it was going to be impossible for them to have children naturally. And the Lord had already been moving on their hearts as it related to the broken in the earth and wanted to, you know, see how they could help in in that brokenness, specifically in relationship to fostering and foster kids. And I think they fostered through their home like something like 45 children over some years and ended up adopting five kids out of that foster experience. And then Eva got miraculously pregnant with their daughter who was born what, almost a couple years ago. I don't know exactly the date. And then, and then right after that, they end up getting pregnant with their son now. Isn't that amazing? Can we give the Lord praise for just how awesome he is in those kind of ways? So let's pray for great margin over the Walker home, right, as they try to steward these, these new lives and such. So listen, we're going to have a, a good time this morning. I'm really excited about what I believe the Lord's put on my heart to share with you. Um, last week I spoke, if you weren't here and you can listen to it online, you can watch it online on the mobile app as well. I spoke about specifically our faith in Christ. We're, we're spoke, focusing on faith this month, margin for greater faith. And I talked about faith in Christ and how we need to declutter our hearts from things that don't belong there. You remember if I, you were here last week and I spoke specifically as an illustration about my garage, which how many of you know when it was built onto my home, it was intended to house a car, maybe a motorcycle, although Wendy would never allow that. Come on, somebody. Maybe bicycles, but it was never built with the intentionality to house my junk, Right? And how many of you know in in so many parts of our home, we have junk that needs to be cleared out to make space for what does belong there, right? And God's doing the same thing in our hearts. He's getting rid of stuff that doesn't belong. So that the faith that's already within us in Jesus can have room to move when it's being crowded out previously by stuff that doesn't belong. Does that make sense? So we looked at that. Let's get rid of insecurity and pain and offense and ambition. Let's get rid of those things that don't belong in our hearts and let's let Jesus who is on the inside of us have room to move and be fully himself. Amen? So, we're going for more faith today, but I want to qualify it. More faith is, as I said, giving space for faith that we already have. You know, here's here's the mystery. Faith is a gift. And I mean, you know, when Jesus gives us that gift, it's not something he takes back. Gifts are without 
repentance. In other words, they're not something that are given and then they're taken away when we don't behave properly. We have to realize that what we've been given, we fully possess. It's fully in us. It's there. It's resonant. God just wants to declutter our hearts so that gift or gifts that he's given can have room to move in greater measure. But more faith is also this. It's maturing the faith that we have by taking risk. Some of you have played it safe in 2018. It's time to step out of the box a little bit in 2019. Come on. It's always good to move in our faith from glory to glory. And the way that we do that besides decluttering is to take risk. What is God asking you to do in this new year that he's calling you to do? Take a risk. Get with some friends. Pray into it. Get some clarity and step out on taking risk. Because here's the deal. As we grow our faith, as we increase our faith, what it's going to do is it's going to increase the worship in our lives. And I want to talk just for a few minutes this morning about worship, but worship specifically being manifest and fleshed out through our servanthood and love of other people. If you believe that, say a big, huge amen this morning. Amen. Oh, that's, I need a better amen. Come on. Amen. Worship being fleshed out through sacred servanthood. That's what I'm going to talk about. Sacred servanthood for just a few minutes this morning. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. And the writer of Hebrews here, some believe it to be Apollos, he writes, let us offer through Jesus, check out this language, continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Now here's the thing about worship and about serving other people with the love of God. It's something that we don't have just a flash moment in the history of our lives. It's something that we are created to continually do. Ongoing, continual, staying in the race, finishing well, loving on people. The other night, Wendy and I, I love documentaries. I just am into them. Watched one on Jane, Jane Fonda, Hanoi Jane. Come on, somebody. Watched one on Martin Luther King. Watched this last one on Elvis Presley. Fascinating, fascinating. You, you need to go and look at the lives of people that made great impact in the world. It's, 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 it's intriguing to just watch their journey. But a lot of this was taking place in his life that we were watching on this documentary around the, around the, the, the late 60s, early 70s. When Wendy and I were born... And I was thinking about it. I was like looking at all the... That's a long time ago. Come on, somebody. Um, but I was looking at all the craziness that was going on in the world at that time. And then something inside of me, just that voice of the Lord spoke to me and said, Yeah, and I sent you as the answer to that craziness. You know, all of us sitting in this room, we were born for such a time as this. We were born to give our lives and our love to this world to make a difference. Not just to live and to die and to make a little bit or, or not much money. We're called to give our hearts to what God is wanting to do in the earth. This is worship. 
And it's going to be continual. It's going to be something that overflows from our lives as we get out there in our community and begin to see it transformed. He says, let us offer through Jesus. You see, there's no longer a sacrificial system as it relates to the giving of animals and blood and all that kind of But there is a sacrificial system in the sense of us devoting our lives to Jesus to serve him and to give him glory because he is do that unto his name. But here's what I want to do. I want to drill down a little bit deeper and define what I mean. Kind of gave you a little hint there. Contextually, as it relates to the word worship. You see, our worship, I believe, of Jesus is not just about singing songs on Sunday. As much as I love that, and that was a demonstration of worship. But it's fleshed out by serving others out of authentic, here it is, identity, knowing who you are, intimacy, walking in relationship with him, and integrity, where we become whole people. And that's what worship is all about. It's serving others out of that place, out of those components. And here's what's crazy about serving and not being an expression of worship. You know, Jesus said, when you give someone who is thirsty a drink of water in my name, what did he say? You're actually giving it to me. When you feed someone who is hungry food in his name, you are actually feeding Jesus. That is, that is profound in its thought to me, just those words of the Lord. You see, these kind of expressions of worship, loving others, the Bible says that they're sacred. You know what that means? They're holy. They're set apart. They're otherworldly. They're different than the status quo out there in, in, in the thing called the, the, the system of this world. They're, they're sacred. They're holy. They're set apart. We are the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. We are the church that is called to manifest these things in the world. But, but I want to say this. We must take note that this is a fine line to walk what I'm talking about. Serving, giving to other people's needs. Because right now in, in culture, this is in vogue. To help people and do nice things for those in need, right? We see it on entertainment tonight. We see it on the national news. And it's beautiful. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know the intentionality of people's hearts. But I'm talking, for me, it's a fine line to walk. Because... Worship is all about the heart. Serving others is really not about what we do. It's about how we're doing it and where we're coming from as it relates to the essence of our hearts. And that's why, man, for me, when it comes down to worship and serving, I have to continually reevaluate why I am doing what I am doing and who, at the end of the day, I am doing this for. Remember... Wendy and I were living in Birmingham, Alabama. We'd help plant a church there in that city that's now 65,000 members, impacting the world in a great way for Jesus. And we were happy. We were happy. We had a good life. We were, we were serving Jesus. And, and there was something, though, inside of me based on an experience that I'd had in Bible school where where, man, I just, I just knew I had this call to, to somehow influence and affect lives and, and, 
and especially some of those that, that have been called into to, to vocational ministry. And we had a small team doing some missions work with us at the time while we were helping to plant this church. And roundabout things getting kind of successful there, we were offered an opportunity to come on the staff officially to lead in some pretty significant ways. And I asked the, the, the friend of mine who I planted the church with, I said, well, what about so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? Some of the people that we were running with that had marks of destiny on their life. And, and he said, man, Darren, I don't know how else to say this. There's just no space for them. Here, there's no margin. But there's room for you. And I remember thinking, instead of taking what was best for ourselves, we laid down and made a sacrifice of worship to say no to a beautiful opportunity because we knew that there was something better coming down the road. And then we go on this, this, this mission trip to Brazil and God speaks about this church in this city. So we moved down, ragtag team of 13, 21-year-olds and Wendy and I who were 32 at the time and we relocated. And a bunch of kind of other people began to join us. You know, 13 turned into 25, 25 turned into 30, and 30 turned into 50, and 50 turned, you know, on and on the story went. And as we kind of got rolling in this vision, some of the young people that we had made a decision to make a sacrifice for to move down here to give our lives for them started just kind of acting up a little bit. There were some things that were popping in their lives, their hearts in the presence of God. It was just normal stuff. But I remember it began to affect me. I began to get a little tainted in my heart by, by what was going on. And, and, and I began to question, like, you know, what am I doing? And, and, and why are all these, these young people causing me all these problems? Jesus, what's going on? Come on, we're down here to, to do ministry and, and, and have some fun. And, and, and I remember he asked me a question that, that just reframed this whole experience. He said, I want to ask you a question there. He said, are you offering... This sacrifice of worship by serving this generation for them or for me? You see, our offering of serving other people in this world, of course it's for those individuals. Our hearts should bleed with compassion. For those people. If not, we are disconnected from the heart of the Lord. But at the end of the day, we are not doing this for them first and foremost. We are doing this for Jesus. Because as we love them, we are loving the Lord with our actions. Remember, he began to speak to me, Darren, I will never hurt you. I will never leave you. I will never. You see, if we're going to offer continual sacrifice of worship from the day that we take our first breath in Jesus till the day that we take our last and end well and offer continual sacrifice, you need to hear me and you need to hear me well. You are going to face some real big problems with people. Those people are not your problems, but trust me, the adversary, we don't, though we don't war against flesh and blood, it will work through people. The very ones you're loving will come back and afflict you. And you, if you're going to hold on to the end, you need to know that Jesus will never hurt you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is the one that you are doing all of this for. And when you recognize that, you can get to the other side of whatever problem that you have in your worship. 
in your servanthood. Come on, Jesus had this, right? Every single one of his disciples, after he went to the cross, gone. Left them. Can you imagine his own creation that he came to give his life for? Spoke lies about him, said he was the son of the devil. Can you imagine? Mocked him, ridiculed him when all he was doing was laying down his life for these ones that he called friends. Incredible. So why do we do it for him? Because he did it for us. Look with me in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Here it is. Here's worship defined. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters... This is so powerful. Paul says, I plead with you. You can almost hear the passion in his voice as one consumed by Jesus Christ who was zealous before but was zealous for all the wrong motives. I appreciate zeal. But I want zeal aligned in my own life and in life our church for the right reasons. Paul knew that. He's like, man, I was radical about this thing called religion. But when I met Jesus, man, oh my goodness, everything changed. It was like, it was, it was, I, was, I was willing to make myself a bond servant. Can you imagine the language there so powerfully saying, I was willing to make myself a slave to Jesus. I was so captured by his love. And he says, I plead to you, give your bodies to God. What, to sit in church on a Sunday morning and that's it? No. To give your life with every breath that's in the fabric of your being to serve the brokenness of this world, to see something God-inspired transpire in our midst, in our generation, in our lifetime. When the enemy raises up a standard, God raises up a higher standard. And with every subsequent problem that the enemy tries to dish out on the earth, he raises up a more powerful generation. People that he knows will, 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 that were created by him with these beautiful hearts, that he knows that as he pours out his grace on them, they will light on fire and follow his heart to do whatever he is calling them to do. To take risks to declutter, to say, that's not who I was. That's not who you created me to be. I want to know, Lord, how you see me, what I look like in your eyes. I want all that junk out of the closet of my heart because I want to be fully alive, to give myself fully to you and to your purposes. He says, give your bodies. Here it is. Because of all he has done for you. We don't do this out of, you know, our passionate initiation to try to make something happen. It's a response to what he did. If you're getting burned out, you're working from the wrong place. The wrong starting point. But when you work from response to something that he did, 
It's a game changer, man. It, it, it changes the entire game. Do this because of all he has done for you. And he says this, let them be living a living and holy sacrifice. This kind he will find acceptable. Look at this. This is truly the way to worship him. This is what it looks like. People laying down their lives. Just a part? Just a tithe? 10%? So now we're living in the old covenant? No. Giving it all. Every fiber of our being. Every ounce of our emotion. Every... Every, every faculty of, of, of our intelligence and, and gifting and, and, and passion. In perspective, we're not working out of this sacrifice for our salvation, but from a sacrifice that already set in motion salvation. Look what Hebrews says. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. Check this out. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. When I read that, God said, Jesus sat down so you could stand up. In fact, the only time he ever stands up off that throne is when he sees his people standing up. Remember, you look at Stephen's life, remember? That guy took his sacrifice of loving others right to the very end when he was stoned to death by his friends. His eyes are open, and what does he see? Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne. Oh, my. Jesus stays seated until you get in motion, and then he'll stand. And when he stands, he extends that scepter. And when that scepter comes and hits you, it takes you. His, it says that Stephen's face was glowing. They couldn't even look at the brightness of his eyes and his countenance that was coming from God in that moment. You see, with the right heart posture... Our service to this world becomes sacred and set apart. Our sacrifice is holy and it's blameless. And according to Romans chapter 12, which I just read to you, verse 1, we offer ourselves as living sacrifice. Isn't that interesting? Living sacrifices. Not like, oh boy, I gotta go serve the Lord, love on some people again, but... Can I be honest with you? One of the reasons I never saw myself as a senior pastor is because all the guys that I'm, not all, but a good many of them were like, oh boy, here we go again. So, Darren, you have no idea. Like, it's so bad. <laughs> so bad. They freaked me out. I'm like, dude, if, you, if this is what it looks like down the road for me, count me out. 
I'll give a sacrifice of praise somewhere else in some other space. A lot of these guys so exhausted. I just had another counseling appointment again this week. Woe is me. Living sacrifices. Ooh, if we even knew the life that was on the inside of our frames, the boundless energy. The zest for life that we could have, if we were rightly positioned, my God, this is where he's calling the church. This is where he's calling us to be. Here's what I believe. I'm going to give you, let me see how many I have here, three. Out of the mouth of babes, come on. Here's what is going to happen if we become these living sacrifices. Number one, the time that we give. How many of you know time is a sacrifice? Time is worship. You can never get back time. Never. But the time we give can redeem the time that has been lost if you are positioned rightly. I was telling Grant and Ashley last night that, actually it was the other day when we were talking on the phone. You know, I moved away from home at 18. Got a college scholarship, way long ways away from where I grew up. And it was a couple years in when I encountered Jesus. You know, had this awakening, this relationship with the Lord. And, and I, didn't, I didn't get to see my family much at all, even after we were married. I mean, it would be my mom would come pop out whenever we'd have kids or we're moving somewhere, which actually was quite a lot, actually. Um, I think we moved eight, eight, eight different cities in the first 12 years. And then Wendy said, if you move me again, that'll be the last time. <laughs> one more move, Darren. You got one more move. But, you know, I just, I never really had a deep relationship with my mom in, in the sense of really knowing her and her really knowing me. And then she got cancer. And kind of in a whirlwind moment, we, we realized, oh my God, we got to bring her here to be with us. And by the way, cancer is not from the Lord. We know where sickness, disease, brokenness, all that stuff comes from. But what's crazy is God will get in and turn everything ultimately for the good. It's, it blows my mind every time. And so she moved into our home. This, you, you're not going to understand this. The Lord only knows, but I feel to just say it to you by faith. And you can maybe grab a hold of this and apply it in your own area. But I can tell you the truth. What had transpired in 49 years of my life leading up to the time when she moved into our house and all that we lost because I was never around her in so many ways because of the distance and all that. God redeemed in the six months that we had for her with my, in my home. He redeemed it all. The conversations we had, the, 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 the realms that he took us, the, the, 
And I, by the end of it, was just blown away at how powerful the sacrifice of my time is. And I'm learning more and more. When I say yes to something, that means I'm saying no to something else. And you better know and, and take seriously who and to where you are giving your time. There's a lot of religion attached to time, trust me. There's a lot of pull to get all of us distracted in our time. Giving it to the wrong, please hear me. Giving it to the wrong people or the wrong places. I was, I was going to say this at the end, but good is always the enemy of great. Always. God wants to get us aligned with our time and where we give it. It is your greatest treasure. It is your greatest form of worship. Secondly, talents, the giftings and callings of God. And when they're properly placed, listen to me, I heard this so clear in my heart. He says, I will maximize kingdom enterprise. And I thought about that, that Starship Enterprise. And what was that? What was that program? Star Trek. I never watched it. But I heard that, right? And he said, when you worship me with your talents and time used wisely, you will boldly go where no man or woman has ever gone before. Now, what's the, what, did they, what would they do? There was some sort of a, I don't know. That was Mork and Mindy. I'm sorry. Mork and Mindy. Jeez, I got my aliens all mixed up. Come on, somebody. Oh, it was Spock, yeah. I don't know why I said how. I mean, that's an Indian term. How? I am like, cowboys and Indians, aliens, somehow they all come together, all right? I want to show you just a, a, really, a really short video clip. Because I'm, I'm telling you, with our talents, we have narrowed them so narrowly in how God wants to use people to go boldly where we've never gone before. I want you to check this out. This is an interview with Levi Lesko, just a clip of it, and the founder of Tom's Shoes. All right? Are we ready to roll that? Okay. Check this out. So check this out. Did you hear there that he had a heart to give kids shoes around the world? And his first mode of operation was going to be to go raise money. 
And he said, if I would have done that, this would have been my effectiveness. But all of a sudden, God gave him a dream. I'm going to start a for-profit business. And with every shoe bought, every shoe, a shoe will be given. And look at the multiplication effect over his talents. Come on, come on. Break out of your box. Break. We need to break out of how we view this thing called the kingdom of God is going to move and expand. These are equipping times for people to to get inspired, get infused with a God idea and say, man, this is how specifically I'm going to use my talents. And it may look different than the way it was done yesterday. The last one is this, when we give our financial resources. Hear me, down to the widow's might, the reward of heaven will begin to manifest on the earth. This one's important, and and I I just want to end with this and then some closing thoughts. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, he says, My heart overflows with joy when I think of how you showed your love to me by the financial support of my ministry. For even though you have so little, you still continue to help me at every opportunity. Now, you got to understand context here, because this is really powerful. This is a guy who started his own business of making tents, literal tents, to pay for his general expenses so that no one would be able to question whether or not he had the right motive or not. Now, we need to take note of that. I was, I was up meeting with a, a business guy in, in West Palm Beach that wanted to meet with me. He's never been to the harbor. He's intrigued by my life for, for whatever reason. He said, let's have breakfast. This guy, he's going to make a lot of money in his lifetime. And he actually told me that God spoke to his heart and said, I want you to set a goal, a first-time goal down the road to, to literally sow $10 million a month into the kingdom of God. $10 million. I almost fell out of the chair. I almost wanted to go, can you remember? <laughs> but anyhow, forget that. The, 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 we were talking about he had gotten invited to the inaugural ball in Florida for the governor's thing and da-da-da-da-da. And he, was, he went up with this certain guy who, who was involved in, in business with the government. And I guess it's very profitable. To, to get business contracts with the government. Go figure. But anyhow, he was describing something that I never fully understand. I said, how does, he, how does he get these connections? Talking about this other guy. And he said, well, he hires what's called a lobbyist. Have you ever heard of a lobbyist? I said, yeah, kind of in a negative derogatory sense on the news. And he, and he went and explained. He said, well, they hire lobbyists because these guys don't have time to be calling on these politicians to work the deals. They hire these lobbyists to do it. And anyhow, in this, the Lord began to speak to me on my drive back. When you have to drive back from West Palm Beach or from Palm Beach to here, how many of you know you have some time to pray and think? Come on, somebody. 
And I, I heard the Lord speak to me, and I, I felt like he said this. He said, the deconstruction going on in the church right now, as it relates to financial giving to the church specifically, I'm not talking about to other people, I'm talking to the church, is rooted in the foundation of a lack of trust. I'm like, oh, wow, now I see why Paul went to those ends, because that was the same thing. Nothing changes. There's nothing new under the sun. It's the same things the enemy throws at the world. It's the same stuff done over and over again. Because I was thinking about this. You know, when it, when, and this is brilliant of the millennials and the, and the Generation Z below them in so, in so many ways. You see, when it comes to money in today's culture, there's oftentimes hid behind the money what's called special interest going on. Because of greed. People have been taking over and they put up a bunch of smoke and mirrors and, and, and try to maneuver people and to, 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 to gain financial resource because they're greedy at the end of the day. And Paul was like, I'm going to show you how not greedy I am. I'm going to work off the labor of my own hands so you can trust me. And when you trust me, you will sow into the work of the kingdom. Amazing. But here's the thing. The culture of the world as it relates to greed... Guys, this is why we have to stand against that in the church. I, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you story after story of how the Lord worked that out of our lives painfully. Over, and if you say, well, I don't have greed, or Pastor Darren, or anybody would never have greed, you're kidding yourself. Like, it, it's a lure of the world. Greed for more. And we, I remember the day, I remember the day, when I told Jesus, I said, I am fine. I, we have reconciled it in our hearts. Because you guys may not know this, but there's a stained glass ceiling of income earning in ministry. <laughs> Just is. And we had to reconcile that in our heart. And I said, I'm fine being a steward of millions versus earning them. Because I, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but when I was an executive, I could have made, with Walmart, I could have made millions off my stock options alone, period. I had cashiers and truck drivers that were multimillionaires. Wendy and I got offered the first freestanding Chick-fil-A in Columbia, South Carolina, and we didn't think it would work outside of malls. Boy, was I wrong. I'd be wearing that Chick-fil-A suit all the way to the bank. If we would have stayed in that space. I have to continue, because I'm entrepreneurial by heart, to get on my face and say, Lord, I am satisfied doing what I'm doing. At the meager income, I'm now getting paid, which I made more when I was 23 years old. Now, that, that's not going to earn your trust because there's special interests in it going on. That's going to have to be earned. But trust me, listen, this is what God is at work right now in the earth. Like purifying hearts. And we need to follow and be around people that you can trust, that you really believe in their heart, that they're not out for something. That's why I feel so sad for wealthy people. They don't have any friends. How could they? Everybody wants something from them. That's messed up. So these special interest groups, they got people receiving 
here's what it literally means. People receiving special advantage. This is what a special interest group. Through political lobbying. And a lobbyer is an influencer who sways people on behalf of the greed of other individuals, potentially. But I was sitting there, I was thinking about that. I was like, I was like, Lord, what can we do? And he said, you, what you can do is you can turn this thing around because you guys are all lobbyists for me. I can't, you know, I've chosen you to represent me to the world with my agenda. I even looked up the definition of lobby, and I'm closing. Did you know a lobby is a room that serves as a connection point for a larger room? Oh, come on, come on, please hear this. This is what you are. You are a lobby. But is it going to be all about like your little lobby? Like, oh, here's my furniture that I put in my lobby. And I, you know, I, I, I put some wallpaper because that's back in, in vogue nowadays. I put some wallpaper up and I got a, I got a, 75 inch flat screen in my lobby I got a Maserati parked outside the door all that's fine I'm just saying what is the intention of the lobby of your life it's to connect others to this larger room called the kingdom of God I think I think about heaven. I think when my mom stepped into heaven and saw that larger room, I think she, I I just can't imagine what would happen in that moment when you see the grand vastness of the glory of God. Who knows its limitations? We get so narrow-minded in our little lobby world. And God's like, that world is beautiful, but I want to use it as a connection point for others to flow through your life into these bigger rooms. I just felt like I needed to honor this person today. There's a guy named Stefan Trevigian in our region. Most of you guys don't know him. You want to know why? Because he is behind the scenes all the time. Never, rarely being front and center, working what God is up to in this community. He's a son of Billy Graham that he never says, hardly ever. He runs the Christian Community Foundation, which is a fund that, that, that houses monies of multi-millionaires and billionaires in our region for the sake of the kingdom. And whenever I'm around him and I'm talking to him, he's always thinking, who can I connect you to? Who can I? He's a connector. He's not a gatekeeper. This is my little world. He's an open. And he's like, who can I connect? For the sake of Jesus. Collaboration is the key in this moment in history. And to be honest, I never really understood collaboration until I met Alan Platt, spiritual father to this house, to my life, and he's one of the most anointed collaborators I've ever met in my entire life. Why? Because he's able to remain fully himself and never compromising who he is, yet always is looking for how God could work in whatever particular relationship. so closed off in the church spirit filled people from the non spirit filled people non spirit filled people from the spirit filled people denominations to denominations rubbish garbage I want to tell you right now I want to testify right now across 
just our denominational landscape in this region. There is one word resonating in the heart of every leader that I personally know, and I know a lot right now, and it's revival, period. They're all saying in their own language, we need Jesus. So here's what we're going to lean into. Would you stand with me? As we move into 2019, Wendy has something. Come on up here. Number one, we are going to lean into progress versus perfection. You know what the beauty of that is? The beauty of that is, is that we, ne- we always continue to get better, yet never come underneath a performance spirit. Bam. Performance spirit is nasty. Nasty business. Especially in the church. But progress over perfection. Number two. We're not going to allow good to be the enemy of great. I already spoke on that. And number three, we're going to stand against the spirit that ende- endeavors to divide of the womb of your heart maybe there needs to be an impregnation of God's dream made alive today because I think the enemy is out to crush and to shatter the dreams of our hearts 
the dreams and the reasons that we've been created to live and exist in this world for him. So maybe that's you today. Maybe that's, maybe that's you. And in nine months, we're going to see you walking in that. You're going to go far together in a family, get connected. That's one of the ways to, to cultivate that, that, that seed of destiny. If you don't know Jesus today, we want to invite you to come and have conversation with our team up front. We'd love to talk to you about having a relationship with him. Let's go there in our hearts with what God has for our lives. If there's sickness and disease in your body, we want to pray for that as well. So would you join me, Father? We thank you for this beautiful morning, for the word of the Lord, which is powerful, sharp, able to divide between soul and spirit, piercing the very heart of the issue in our lives. Thank you that you are creating space for faith as we declutter our hearts with things that don't belong. And you are making way for us to worship you continually by serving others with the love of God. Time, talents, and financial resources. Come today and break us out of our boxes and let us see what you're up to. Lord, unify us in trust. Trust for you. Trust for one another so we can move together to the beautiful, great things that you have for us in this region, our nation, and the nations of the earth. We love you, Lord. Can we give the Lord a huge hand clap? Come on. Come on. Come on. So good. Come on. You're so good. Come on. You're so good. You're taking us somewhere. You're leading us somewhere. We're going somewhere, God, in our lives. On purpose. On purpose. Come, there's going to be room and space made for ministry to you guys. God bless you all. We'll see you next time.